G'day guys and welcome to the Bradley J Driver Experience. You're here for episode 43 and today I've got a real treat for you. Before I announce today's guest, I want to remind you all about 42 for CF, the event that I'm running on the 12th of December for Cystic Fibrosis Australia. As most of you by now know, if you've been along the, the 43 episode ride or even for just a few, cystic fibrosis means a lot to me. It's something I've grown up with and it's a cause that I want to do every bit I can to support, but also to spread a wider message that nothing's impossible in this life if you set your mind to it and you work hard for it. And that's what we're doing with 42 for CF. And funnily enough, the, the whole event there ties in really well with today's guest. So, you know, just six weeks ago, I was a guy who couldn't run to save my life. And I guess now I still can't run to save my life, but I'm, I'm managing to, to build the distance up, to train more, to get better at this crazy sport that seems so simple yet is so bloody difficult um, that is running. And today's guest is maybe the, if not one of the most famous runners in Australian history. He's basically done it all. He's run across the world for many causes and he lives one of those lives that we talk about on the show, especially in these last couple episodes and it's a life with purpose and he runs it with pace and he's got a whole lot of stories to tell. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Pat Farmer. How are you, Pat? Yeah, really good. Thanks, Brad. By the way, that was a fantastic intro. I'll have to get, have to put you on the payroll. <laughs> Mate, you're a legend. <laughs> you're a legend. I, um, I really appreciate you coming on the show. It's funny because, you know, you're, you're someone that as of sort of, we, we spoke maybe for the first time three or four weeks ago over the phone and I continued to hear people say your name in the running space and like anything, as you immerse yourself in a new sport or in a new interest in life, you start to hear about those people who have done well and continue to do, do well in the sport. And a lot of people mentioned you being one of those guys here in Oz who's done a lot of great things, but you know, the reason I'm running is for purpose, it's for a cause, for something that means a lot to me and because of that, you know, your name was, was thrown around a lot because you've done so many big runs and so many great things for charity in your time. Talk to me though about, you know, I think everyone has a reason to start running. What was your reason? Where did it all begin? Well, let me say um, the reasons sort of change over time as well. So if I can take you like from present time and then back to where it all began. So in present time at the moment, you know, I'm no spring chicken, I'm, I'm getting on in years. And the great thing about running, in particular distance running, is that you can do it right into you, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 100 plus, you know, you can still be out there and you just do it. You're still taking in the same ambience to the, the wind in your face, you know, the, um, the, the, sun, the sun on your body and just being able to take in the beautiful views and breathe fresh air and, and just, you know, enjoy the experience of being free. And that's, to me, what running's all about. So, you know, so as we get older, it's most important to exercise regularly and running is a wonderful way to do that. One, because the continuous pounding on the ground uh, with each footstep actually strengthens your bones rather than weakens them. And if you do that all the way through your ages and you've got a good calcium, uh, high, high calcium diet, then you're, you're going to starve off a lot of bone problems that a lot of elderly people get. Um, but for me, it all started been inspired by an older person that was doing exactly what I'm doing now and um, it was amazing how at his age uh, in his 60s he could be an inspiration to so many young people 
I was an 18-year-old apprentice motor mechanic when I saw Cliff Young run past where I worked as a motor mechanic at Gramble on his way to complete and win the Sydney to Melbourne Ultra Marathon, a run that was almost 1,000 kilometres. It was an iconic event back in the day, and it was just a wonderful, wonderful event where people could come out of their farmhouses, sit on their, 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 their fence out front of their home, uh, walk down from their office and see the runners going past. And that's why I love not running on a circuit, but I love running from point A to point B over long distances because you actually, you're taking your craft to the, to the um, audience rather than yeah. waiting for the audience to come to a stadium to see you. I love that. And, and at the time, I remember hearing in, I think in another podcast that you'd done, that the first time you seen Cliff Young run past, he was actually behind the pack, wasn't he? And for you, oh, well and truly. he was not, not the, the runner of the pack, but rather someone who had great perseverance and the ability to just keep pushing along. Well, I think there's a lot of things that you can take from that. See, a lot of people get into a sport and they go, okay, how, how can I be number one in this sport? Or I want to be number one in this sport and I want... I want to hold the trophy high aloft my head and I want to get the prize purse and I want the medal around my neck. And all of that's fine. That's great. But, you know, life's not like that. Uh, it throws curveballs at you all the time. Um, you know, people get sick. They come down with cancers. They come down, as you were talking earlier on, about cystic fibrosis. There's so many different things. Uh, and it's really different things to different people. So that trophy is different things to different people. So it's about... I suppose the most important piece of advice Cliff Young ever gave to me when I was competing against him later on in years after I first took it up in the Sydney to Melbourne races themselves was that he said, Pat, whatever you start, finish. Whatever you start, finish. And that's what running's all about to me. It's about my own personal goals. It's about seeing whatever I take, whatever I take on through to the end. And that's why I try and take on really enormous, difficult tasks because it's easy to finish something that's a very short event that you just take a stroll around the park and that's it. You know, it's, it's no big deal. But if you take on something that's monumental or something that's difficult or something where you can't see the finish line because it's a long way away, it's over the hill or it's days away or weeks away, even months away in sometimes in my cases, then you start to... Then, then just by finishing, it's a real accomplishment and you learn a lot about yourself along the way and you benefit not only yourself, but all those that take the time to see what you're doing and be inspired by that. Definitely. And you know, it's, it's funny, you said it there, that, that advice that Cliff Young gave you and it's whatever you start, finish. And that's kind of been, for me, the really exciting thing about getting into running is every Wednesday I've got a long run and I know that there's a challenge ahead of me that especially for these first couple of weeks that I've not experienced before and the, the feeling you get from finishing that and knowing that that's new territory and you're better for that. It's, it's almost yeah. undescribable. It's, you know, we talk about those endorphins when you exercise and especially when you do that cardio, there's quite nothing like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of marathon runners talk about hitting a wall. And basically what that wall is for, for different people, it's at different stages. And even if you're doing a, a CrossFit um, session or whatever uh, at a gym, there comes a point where you're worn out, you're tired, your muscles are aching and they're fatigued. And then if you are strong enough and you can push just beyond that point, you discover a whole new self about yourself and you get a second wind. 
and and that and you get a sense of euphoria from that the greatness that comes with all of that that that's a feeling that runners continuously strive for we continuously crave uh that it's that second wind it's that knowing that you can break through a wall you can break through a barrier you can get through a pain uh session and still push on beyond that and and that's where you learn a lot about yourself and and you know you push you push past all the physical stuff all the physical stuff is about you can easily jump on a machine somebody will say okay you've got x amount of um uh fast twitch fibers or slow twitch fibers your vo2 max is this so this is what you can do but a runner an athlete a real athlete in any field uh they see all the science there and then they go i wonder if i can do just a little bit better than that and prove them that i can do better than what the statistics show that's how gold medals are won and that's how things great things are achieved i 100 percent agree with you you know it's one of the things that i heard you, you speak about and and i could see how much it meant to you was the fact that like you said you started running because you were inspired to go out and and to try this sport and to do something that bettered yourself. And then you spoke about how over time, if you're putting your body through so much punishment, you know, and these long runs and these long events are great punishment on the body, then why not do it for something with purpose, for something that actually supports yeah. a cause? At what point in time did you realize that that was kind of the direction for you, that these bigger sort of mammoth events that took months and, you know, and weeks at a time to navigate, you know, you've done North to South Pole, you've run across India, you've, you know, you've done things like this all around the world. Where was the first yeah. and what was the inspiration after that event to continue pushing? Well, basically, basically you have a physical self and you have a mental self and all of us are aware of that, you know, because we think about things that we can make and, and we make those things happen. Usually, what your mind conceives and believes your, the body achieves. That's a wonderful saying. I heard it once by Anthony Robbins and I've heard it from numerous people since and I continue to reiterate those words because your mind has to have come up with the concept and a belief that you can do what you want to do. Uh, so, even just getting out of bed in the morning, you have to believe that you have the capability of getting out of bed uh, and then your body follows. So, you know, the instructions come from there. So once you realize that there's these two selves within yourself, your mind and your body, then your body will take you so far, but your mind actually extends beyond that. Your mind, your mind can push you beyond what the body knows. Uh, and that's how we discover new things all the time. So for me, what I realized very quickly was that my body aches like hell when I, when I push it, you know, when I run these long distances, especially in extremely cold climates or extremely hot climates like the Simpson desert or, or the North pole, those two extremes, you ache like nothing else. And so it's so easy just to quit and say, well, this is all my physical body can take. I've had enough. I want to get warm again, or I want to get cool again. And I want to get out of this environment and I'm just going to quit now. I'm going to stop. But when you're running for somebody else, there's something that switches on inside your head and tells you that there is a greater cause to what you're doing. And just because you're in pain doesn't mean that uh, you can't make a difference. You need to push beyond this pain because there are other people in far worse pain that will last for far longer than yours. And if you push on, you can alleviate that pain for them. So some people are restricted to wheelchairs. Some people have 
all sorts of different ailments and, and that affects their life and they can't escape from that, but you can alleviate it by helping them. And so my moment of pain, my threshold where I feel I can't push through it is alleviated by knowing that I can do some good. And when I do that good, it helps me, it brings my physical presence to a greater, a greater ending, which means I can break records, I can do things. So cut a long story short, to run for somebody else, to raise money for something else uh, brings out the best in all of us. Yeah, I love that because that's been kind of my, kind of my mantra every time I head out for a run, especially the longer runs where there's extended time on your feet and they compare nothing into the size that um, the likes of yourselves would do. But, you know, for me the other day, I just kept saying to myself, it's just a blessing, like it's a blessing to be out here physically able to do this when most people in my position aren't. And I think that's the yeah. other thing, like when you realize how amazing the human body is when you have great health, it's just a blessing to be able to exercise and to chase these challenges around the world and, and, and in our home country. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, as you quite rightly mentioned, Bradley, like I've run in Lebanon, Jordan, Israel, Palestine, going through some of those places, I saw the extreme poverty that people were existing in. Uh, you, uh, Uganda, just last year, I ran, uh, ran across Uganda and I saw what, what those people lack in their lives, but they're happy and they're appreciative of just every moment that they have and the, the little things that they have. So it's, it tends to change the way that you think about things. And when you change the way that you think about things, then life becomes better. Life becomes good. And so your mental approach to absolutely everything that you do uh, is, is that's, that's the answer. I mean, you could put me in a prison cell and so long as I was thinking about nice things in my mind, I was thinking about wonderful places to go to or to be or to experience, I would still have a smile on my face. It's because my mind takes my body away from the moment. So important. Talk to me about these events. And I, I guess I can imagine there's probably a favorite in terms of personal achievement, like conquering a massive goal or a massive effort in a certain climate. Then I can also imagine that there's been a, a very eye-opening event. I can imagine there's been numerous, but probably one in particular that changes perspective and, and like you said, really makes you think about how lucky you are. What have those two yeah. events been? Well, for, for an eye-opener, of course, you mentioned earlier on the biggest run that I'd ever done, and that was um, uh, just over 20,000 kilometres from the North Pole down through to the South Pole. I completed that almost 10 years ago. So it was, I finished that in um, um, uh, 2012 in the South Pole. Uh, and when I was doing that event, so that meant every single day I had to run a minimum distance and uh, just push on regardless. Um, and I remember I had to have a special security detail come with me through the Darien jungle, which is that small little part. If any of your listeners look at, um, look at a globe, it's where North America meets South America um, or Central America meets South America. So it's between Panama and Canal. And so I had, uh, I was given 19 armed soldiers who were special forces to accompany me through there because yeah. I was running for the International Red Cross, but because it was such a dangerous place to go through. And I'll never forget when we, after we'd spent seven days cutting our way through the forest there with machetes and going on 
where there was no trails and we had to do that because it was so dangerous. If we came out into the open, the soldiers and myself could have easily been shot or killed by snipers uh, trying to run drugs or trying to uh, um, take money through from uh, South America into Central America or drugs into Central America or even taking us hostage. Uh, and so when I got to near the end of that five day journey, that part of the whole run, uh, I remember the soldiers were sitting down. I'd become quite close to them during the course of this whole thing. And they were sitting down behind a shed where, and, they, and the lieutenant had just signed me over to the Colombian police to be their responsibility rather than, um, rather than the Panamanian government. And so um, and then I was to continue on running from there. When I walked back to thank the soldiers, they were all crying their eyes out. And these were big, tough men that were used to such, a, um, such an isolated and difficult life. Uh, and I said to the lieutenant, why are they, Lieutenant Perez, why are, they, why are, they, why are the men crying? What's the matter? What's, what's, what's wrong? He said, they've never saved a life. He said, their job is to go into the jungle, hunt down the bad guys that are bringing arms or guns or whatever up into Central American and then on up into the Northern American states uh, and um, hunt them down and just kill them. They don't take them to court. They don't do this. They don't do that. But you're running for the International Red Cross and we were approached uh, to look after you. This is the first time that we've actually saved a life and through you and this whole journey and the work that you do and the fundraising that you do, perhaps hundreds or thousands of lives. And that's what they were crying about. That moment will never leave me. And that just goes to show you the effect that you can have on people by just simply doing your job, just doing yeah. what you do. And in my case, it was just putting one foot in front of the other. So it wasn't about gold medals. It wasn't about prize purses. It wasn't about notoriety, but it was about having an effect on other people around me. So that was, that was a really defining moment for me. And then aside from that, perhaps, especially in these times that we're all experiencing with these lockdowns and whatever's happening, not only here in Australia, but indeed around the world. Um, one of the most significant runs for me was the run around Australia for our Centenary Federation. Uh, you know, sometimes I would run through towns and there would be two or three people in the whole town, but they would be out to see me, welcome me into the town. Yeah. Uh, you know, some of those outback towns. And in other places like Canberra, and if anybody goes to my website, patfarmer.com, and they press on the run around Australia, they will see when I came into, uh, into Parliament House in Canberra, at the end of that 14 and journey, where I linked together all the states and territories through my footsteps, where I joined suburbs and towns together through my footsteps, where I spoke of functions every single night about how fortunate we are that this whole country is together as one unit rather than like Europe, where it's all different countries and different currencies, different languages, many borders uh, and, and difficulties to go from one place to the next place. How fortunate we are in Australia that we had this freedom. And that was a very, very significant run for me. One, because I reflect on it now in the times that we're experiencing, but also because the literally hundreds of thousands of people that welcomed me and joined me and ran with me during the course of that journey, right around Australia and the different landscapes I went through, the magnificent landscapes and indeed the, the, the effect it had on everybody for the Centenary of Federation. So I encourage everyone in these crazy times we're experiencing at the moment 
to reflect on all of that and realize how, how better off we are as a federated nation rather than as a busted up state. Oh, mate, that's, um, I echo that because I think we're so blessed here in this country to, to have great health, to be, you know, really to be far away from where the madness is happening right now, even though we are having our own struggles within the country. But, mate, we're a blessed nation here in Australia. I don't think enough people realise how lucky we are. You know what's all a bit confusing and scary? Buying your first home and getting your first loan approved. You see, I'm 24 and I bought my first property last year. Even as an agent at the time, there was so much I didn't know about finance because we aren't taught these things at school. You see, I'm blessed now because one of my best mates, Zachary Bidoff, is a mortgage broker. And now that I'm self-employed, I have to be smarter with my money. So I sat down with Zach to refinance my loan and to get the absolute best deal I could. And it's saving me money every week. You see, the great thing about Zach is he's 28 years old, super relatable, and he knows everything you need to about buying your first property. So whether it's pre-approval or refinancing that you need, head across to ZacharyBidoff.com or find the link in the show notes. Yeah, we need to realize it and then we need to hang on to it. You know, we need to hang on to it. I'll never forget, um, uh, there was a, a TV announcer, Ron, uh, your listeners will, will correct me on it, Ron, um, uh, Ron Casey. And he said to me, he said, I don't care what anybody says, and often I will disagree. He was, a, he was a radio announcer. Often I will disagree with what they say. But I will defend to the death their right to say it. And I think that's something that we're forgetting with this world that we're in now with Facebook and Twitter and, uh, and internet and so many different means for people to be able to have their own voice and their own speech. Um, so many bullies want to want to shut you down, want to want to quieten things down a lot and it, it, it's crazy because we need to defend our right for free speech it's the most important thing and and go and and that might sound a little bit well what am I talking about that for but my running is all about that freedom feeling that you get from just going out there and just going for a run all you need is a pair of shoes and sometimes if you run the beat you don't even need that just get get out there just breathe some air and leave all the manicness and all the craziness behind. Just breathe some fresh air. That's, that's what running is to me. It's that freedom. And it's whether it be freedom of speech, freedom of thought, freedom, freedom of, of breath. That's, that's the amazing thing about the sport that I do and I love. I agree with everything you said there, Pat, but one thing I've got to ask you, mate, is you said that all you need is a pair of shoes, but mate, I went away last week and not <laughs> the shoes, the foam roller, the Voltaren gel, the bloody Hirudoid cream, mate. I don't know about that. <laughs> Maybe oh, my backpack's I, I, a little bigger I, than I, yours. I was worried about you for a moment there, Brad. I thought you were going to say, I went away last week and I went for a run. I just had my shoes on and nothing else. I thought, yeah. oh, hang on, second thoughts. Yeah. Let me take that back a bit. <laughs> Put some shorts on mate, as well, please. Mate, I'm not that confident. It's not that hot yet. <laughs> oh. Yeah, you can do some serious damage if you try streaking. You know that. Oh, I'll never forget. I, I'll just on a funny line. On a funny line, I'll tell you something about that. I'll never forget. Joe Record was one of these famous eccentric runners in the old Sydney to Melbourne races, uh, and there was a lot of characters around in those days. Of course, Cliff Young and so many Tony Rafferty and so many others. Joe Record was one of these characters that was all the time, you know, pushing the buttons and doing things differently. He, he was, uh, 
he was leading the race and he was down around near Orbost in Victoria uh, from Sydney. Uh, and he had, he called up the race doctor, his crew called up the race doctor, said, you've got to come out and see Joe. He said, what's the matter? And what had happened was he had a chafed penis. Uh, so I know this is a family show, so I, I'm not going to go any further, but he had a chafed penis. And what his problem was, he decided he would run, he was hot, he run just with his shorts on, his running shorts on, which were, which are not like the tights that we wear these days, but quite loose. So just with his running shorts and he didn't wear any underpants, of course he got very chafed there. So the doctor had to prescribe some antiseptic gel and a condom for him to wear for the rest of the run. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's a complete sideline, but it just goes to show you, you can solve any problem if you have to, just keep going. <laughs> yeah. And I'll tell you what, I'll, um, I'm hoping it doesn't come to that for my marathon in December. <laughs> well, whatever you got to do, mate, just finish what you started. Just keep going, right? Exactly. Hey, talk to me about those, you know, you spoke just then about the power of that journey moving through, through Panama there. And, you know, if you think back to those bigger runs and, you know, where you're running and you've got certain quotas you've got to hit every day, and obviously you've adapted to running great distances every day and being able to put your body through that. But do you actually get to enjoy any of that journey? Like in the evenings, do you get to immerse yourself in the culture? Like how much of that do you get to do on a big run? Well, that's where I said the, the, your mental approach is completely, you know, it's everything on those runs because yes, look, there's no way of avoiding the pain or the difficulty of the journey. But if you have the right frame of mind, and by that, I mean, often I'll think to myself, this might be the last run that I ever get the chance to do. And imagine myself not being able to run, not being able to travel to different countries or different places. And if, this, if, if that's the case, and this is the last one that I'll ever do, then I've got to make, I've got to finish this. I've got to see this through. So instead of regretting how difficult it is or complaining about how difficult it is, I, I, I'm actually very happy to be there and I embrace the pain as part of the event. I look around, I take in the scenery, the landscape, the people, I wave at as many people, even if they're not waving back to me. I smile at as many people, even if they're not smiling back at me. And I'm just happy to be there in the moment because I never know if I'm ever going to get to those places ever again. And, um, you know, to be able to travel the world, to be able to see the sights and do the things. I mean, I've been through Petra in, in Jordan, for goodness sakes, you know, like, like it's crazy. one of the most amazing places on earth. I've been to the northernmost part, to northernmost part of India, the southernmost part of India, through the middle of Australia, through the Simpson Desert in summer, you know, uh, um, and there's beauty in all these places. There's beauty in all these extremes. If you just put your mind into the right place to enjoy the beauty, you know, a little bit of Spinifex bush uh, in, the, in, the middle of, in the middle of the desert that has a, uh, a little zebra finch in there or a budgerigar in, in there or a, a bird in there or, a, or a, um, the, sound, the sound of, a, of a camel in the distance you know just just something different takes your mind away from the moment and helps you realize how fortunate you are to be in some of these most amazing and different places especially those people that live in the city and everything's pretty mundane and normal every day yeah you know that excites me so much for you like even even as someone who hasn't experienced everything that you have you know i've had my fair share of experiences and i always say to people i think to me, the meaning of life is about finding a purpose and, and pursuing it, but yeah. also getting to that point where 
you look back on each of those years you've lived and that you've followed that purpose. And I can tell you the kind of person that just loves the life that you've lived. You're fulfilled with that. And, and you can see that when you share those stories how it puts a smile on your face. And, and I just love hearing that because I think not enough people do that. It's not enough people yeah. out sort of chasing life and, and putting their best foot forward for lack, lack of a better term there, a bit of a running pun, but, you know, put your best foot forward and, and have experiences that you will never regret. Yeah, you're right. Look, it doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how great you are. It doesn't matter whether you're a king or queen, whether you're the richest person on earth or the poorest person on earth. We only have a certain amount of time that we're here for. Like, so why not, why not make the most of it? Why not enjoy it? Why not see as many things as you possibly can, do as many things as you possibly can, and, and, and embrace every single day, every moment? It sounds like a cliche, and it's a cliche because too often we get caught up in the mundane things of life, you know, the nine to five, the working five, six days a week, and our life becomes about work and becomes about that instead of just realizing just, why don't I do more of the things that I love? Why don't I do more of the things that I like? Why, why don't, and, and to do that, often you have to be fit and healthy. Like I, I, I want to be able to take my grandchildren and even great grandchildren, if I live long enough, up walks up into the mountains. But yeah. I can't do that if I don't stay fit and healthy. You know, I can't do that. So, so that's my driving force and that's what it's all about. And I suppose like, like the run, the, the event that you're, you're about to do for cystic fibrosis, classic example, like with that, for instance, all I do is I do unusual, difficult things, and then I use that to inspire other people. And in return for the inspiration, they pay to a charity or they pay to wherever I direct the funds to support that cause. So what they're getting out of it is motivation, what they're getting out of it is inspiration. What they're getting out of it is just like watching the TV program. And then what the charity's getting out of it is these funds to be able to make a difference to somebody's life. And what I get out of it is both. I've made a difference to both ends of the spectrum, both the people that we're helping through the funds that we've raised and also the people that we've motivated by simply just doing what we love to do. Of course. Talk to me, Pat. It's obvious that... Um you know, with all those amazing experiences you've had and, and being a real go-getter at life, that the height of excitement is, you know, and, and probably fear at the point in time is running with those soldiers surrounding you, running maybe the track that's never been run before. How do you sit at home on a Wednesday night and watch The Bachelor and not be bored with, <laughs> with what's happening? Like, is there always that, that, I guess, want and need to, like, go out and find the next big thing? Or can you find comfort? in those little times at home sometimes. Yeah, I, I absolutely, you've obviously, you, you know the shows I watch, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I find comfort in being able to relax. You ask anybody that runs a distance and what they're looking forward to is being able to put their feet up and relax, put some ice on their legs or, or have, a, have a cold drink and just sit in front of the TV and just veg. And there's, that's what I love about this life is because you work so hard doing the events, it's almost like a reward to do nothing then too. Yeah. So just, just sitting in the park, watching other people exercise, you know, just um, 
just just lying underneath a tree, just looking at the sky or walking out, going for a casual walk and looking at stars in the heaven and in the night. You know, all of that stuff is fantastic. And to be able to kick back, put my feet up, watch TV, uh, in my case, have a beer uh, and just do, you know, do all the stuff that, I, that I'm too disciplined to do when I have to, when I'm in the middle of a run or when I'm training for a run. It's great because it shows the all-roundedness of the person as well. You don't have to be somebody who's a fanatic to be great at what you do. In fact, I find that the reason why I've got so much longevity in this whole business is because when I finish a run, I'll take a break from the running business and I'll just, I'll just be like average. I'll just, I'll just eat whatever I want to eat. I'll, I'll just party. I'll just relax. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll watch Netflix five programs in a row. You know, I do that stuff, you know, uh, um, but that's what, that's what then, then I get to a point where I go, okay, I've had enough of this. I'm getting back into it now. I've got purpose. And that's why I always, these days, I always have to run to do something, either to break a record, do something special, run somewhere unique or raise funds for a worthwhile cause because I need a reason to get off the couch. We all do. Yeah, definitely. Talk to me about, you know, obviously running is a huge part of your life, but there have been so many other amazing things you've been able to do in your life and in your career. You had some time in politics you know, I'm yeah. not going to make out, you know, I'm 24. I'm not going to make out. I'm any politics expert. Um, I'm probably far from it. But a few people said to me that you might've been the nicest guy in politics ever. How did you find well, yourself in that world? Well, I, I was there and, and I don't know everything about politics and I don't think anybody ever will. Politics is basically a way of looking at two different sides of a coin and then picking the side that works best, works best for you or works best for the outcomes you're after. Um, so that's it. That's the whole political game in a nutshell. What happened with me was I did the run around Australia for our Centenary Federation. The Prime Minister at the time, John Howard, rang me up out of the blue and asked me, would I stand for the seat of MacArthur where I lived out in Campbelltown? Uh, I didn't know at the time it was considered as a winnable seat. Uh, but regardless, I went out there and I started knocking on doors and just introducing myself to everybody and saying, this is who I am. What can I do to help you? If I get this role, um, what do you think I could do for you that other people haven't been able to do in the same role? And it's just with that naivety and that purity and that simplicity uh, that I ended up getting elected. And, I, and I'd like to think I did my job that same way. Like I wasn't a great performer in parliament or in front of the cameras, you know, whereas a lot of these people are so eloquent in front of the cameras. They're always on the TV, uh, um, they're always banging on their drum or pushing their thing. For me, it was about, okay, I represent this area, so what do we need? We need bridges over train lines, we need, we need zebra crossings, we need, you know, we need more funding for work programs, we need opportunities for people to get employment, we need this, we need that, we need a new medical school, we need all these other things. And I went out there and I got them, and I got literally half a billion dollars worth of funds dedicated to the MacArthur region during the course of my time and to me that's what a, a politician is supposed to do it shouldn't be about them it shouldn't be about them in the papers all the time it should be about the projects that they're representing in the papers all the time it should be about the people that they're supporting uh, in the papers all the time it doesn't have to be the politician that gets the headline and it shouldn't be the politician that gets a the headline they're only the conduit that redirects 
the public's funds into where it's supposed to go anyway. So that's what I enjoyed about politics, but that's also what frustrated me about politics because a lot of other people are there for other reasons. And the other reasons are, it's about pushing their party or pushing their point or pushing who they are. And it's not about them. Uh, uh, politi politics in, in all purity is about just getting things done for the electorate that you represent. That's end of story. You know, so look, I enjoyed my time there. I found it incredibly difficult as well. But um, on Definitely. top of all of that, but on top of all of that, perhaps the best thing that came out of it all was I was able to help people. And now I'm able to understand how politics works to be able to use that to be able to run in other nations to help more people. You know what, Pat, I think it sounds like in every walk of your life, you're a very selfless man. So I credit you for that. Mate, the last two things that I really want to ask you is, the, the, I want to leave off on the last note being very inspirational. But before we do, a little bit of a story I've heard. It could be false, but I've heard that maybe your biggest arch nemesis in, in the running world was not actually another human being, but a burger. I heard about maybe a trial event for, um, I think it was for Sydney <laughs> where yeah, you maybe yeah. given a little, a little mid-run feed that didn't go down so well. Is that true? Well, that was a 24-hour track run that I had to do as a qualifier for the Sydney to Melbourne race. And it was at Henley Oval in Sydney and uh, was a, an athletic oval. I had to do a minimum of 100 and, uh, 160 kilometres in 24 hours to qualify for the Sydney to Melbourne. I ended up doing 120 and the thing that brought me undone was the first five hours I didn't know what to eat or what to drink so I didn't have anything. And then I was so thirsty and so starving, although I was in the lead of the race, I, I, I started to get dizzy and I felt like I was going to collapse. And it was at that moment, my brother Bernie raced across the road. He said, what's the matter? I said, I need something to eat. I've got to eat something. I feel like I'm going to collapse. So he raced across the road, got me a triple decker burger with beetroot, onions, cheese, tomato, you name it, anything in the shop that they had, they put on this triple decker burger. And he brought it over, over to me and it was dripping with grease. And he came to the section of the track where we were allowed to get aid. I grabbed his hamburger, I woofed it down. He also got me a can of Coke, which, which felt fantastic for about the first five minutes. Yeah. I went off running around the track. I lapped everybody another two times. And then I collapsed onto all fours in the center lane of this beautiful synthetic oval and vomited everywhere. That was my, my most uh, uh, ashamed moment of my entire running career and I'll never forget it. And thanks very much for bringing it up, by the way. <laughs> I've learned a lot from, from, my, from my nephew, Wade, and so many other people about uh, health, fitness, but most importantly about nutrition since those days. Actually, on that note quickly, is there something that you found now, that, like that post big run nutrition that is like your go-to? Do you have a go-to or does it change? Uh, I do have a go-to. I do have a go-to. I'm, 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 look, I'm, I'm a sucker for a chocolate milkshake. Oh, I just, oh. I just absolutely crave that fat in a chocolate milkshake. When I finish an event, I've just got to have a chocolate milkshake. And it doesn't matter if I'm in the Simpson desert or if I'm in the South pole, somebody's got to try and find me a chocolate milkshake. Love and if it. they don't, which they don't always do, and I get, I, get, I get hard to live with, <laughs> if you can imagine, as most runners do when they don't eat. 
I can, <laughs> yeah, I can definitely imagine. Talk to me a bit of advice finally for everyone listening, not, not on running, but just on life. Like what's your biggest piece of advice and, you know, being where you are now, having achieved everything you've done and, and lived, you know, an, an exciting but inspirational life with so much more yet to come. Is there something you just wish you knew back when you were my age, a young star that, that you know now? Yeah, I think um, uh, perhaps a great way to finish off this segment, the same way that we started with Cliff Young and that, it, and that was, you know, finish every single thing that you start. If you hang in there long enough, if you stick with what you're doing long enough, you will bubble to the top. You, you will be noted for what you do. You will be a winner. Uh, you can't win every single race, but you just keep going and going and going and you wear your opposition down. That's what life's all about. That's life in general is about that. So never give up on life itself and finish every single thing that you start. Pat Farmer, you're an absolute legend, mate. I love that bit of advice. Ladies and gentlemen, you're absolutely blessed if you have a healthy body to be out there looking after yourself, training, running, doing whatever you do. So make the most of it. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Pat. It's been not only very inspirational, but an absolute blast. It's been a real fun episode. So I appreciate Thanks. it. Thanks. Thanks, mate. It's a pleasure. <laughs>